If you'll turn your Bibles this morning to Deuteronomy chapter number 6, the book of Deuteronomy, that's right in the front of your Bible there, Genesis, Exodus, what's next, Tanner? Leviticus, right? Come on now. Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1. Before we read that, I'm going to read a little section of Scripture before you stand. Jesus was asked a question in the book of Mark. This is a very interesting question. See, Jesus was always followed by and, and ganged up on by the, by the religious crowd of the day. And one of the, the men who the Bible identifies as actually a lawyer says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now if you have your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1, I would ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. If you're there, say amen. Are you glad to be at church this morning? I am, aren't you? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1 says, Now these are the commandments the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Here's these words again. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house. And God, I, I pray that you would forgive us, God, if we ever take it for granted, the privilege that we have to be here. God, I thank you for each one that's gathered here. God, I just pray that people would pay attention to your word this morning. And God, that you would speak to people through your word. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way as this message goes out. And God, that you would move me out of the way. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would preach. God, I just pray that you would give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as I stand this morning and try to deliver what you have given. God, we praise you. And Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Several of you were here yesterday. If you were here, raise your hand. How many of you were here yesterday? We had a, about 100 people here yesterday, and we had a 4th of July uh, sort of a, just a, a cookout. But what we did is, is we were, were, I guess, re-kicking off, retooling our Sunday school program just a little bit. And uh, yesterday we kind of kicked that off. We had quite a few folks that were here that, that don't normally come. But, but I tell you, as we, we kicked this off, the Lord sort of led me in this direction, and, and actually our denomination, their, their literature is called D6, which is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Moses is standing here. Now, if you'll recall, back several weeks ago, I preached on a, a Jesus dying on the cross on Mother's Day. Does anybody remember Mother's Day? I know that seems like an, an, an eternity ago, but I preached on the words of a dying man, which was Jesus. And then the following week, I preached on the words of another dying man whose name was Joshua, and today, I, I'm not going to call this a series because it's been a while, but these are the words, Deuteronomy, or the words of Moses. The words Deuteronomy literally means just to repeat. So this is basically what Exodus has already said, and Moses goes and he's just going to repeat it. And he's going to give the people again, and he's going to tell them what exactly that God expects of them. Now, ever since I was a little child in, in, in Sunday school, and my parents took me to Sunday school, I learned the Ten Commandments. Did anybody learn the Ten Commandments? That's one of the first things you learn. You learn John 3.16. You learn the story about Jonah and the well, and, and there's uh, several things. But you always, you know, I think about every fifth Sunday my teacher taught on the Ten Commandments. And it wasn't the different one. She just taught them again and again and again. And so I guess she thought that I needed to hear those things. And, and they're valuable. And, and I know and I understand that we don't live under the Abrahamic law anymore. We don't live under the, the Mosaic law. We don't live under that anymore. But God gave us some things, some precepts. And, and what Deuteronomy chapter 6, it actually calls them the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. And so God has given us these commandments, has given us these laws. And you know what the law of God is for? You know, a lot of people, when they read the Bible, they think it's, they think it's just a bunch of things in that, that, that says, if you do this, you're going to hell. And if you do that, you're wrong, you're in sin. And the Bible does say that. Don't get me wrong, I'm not detracting from it for a minute. But I want you to understand this, that, the God, that God gave the Ten Commandments and God gave the law so that people would be protected. So that people would know how to live right and not know just how to, not to live wrong. And so we have this law and we have these ideas and a lot of you know the Ten Commandments and, and maybe some of you could recite them to me and I'm not going to put you, but could anybody recite the Ten Commandments word for word? I mean, really? Anybody want to follow the Declaration of Independence word for word? I mean, how did he memorize that, right? I don't even get, I don't know how he did it. But, but these are laws and, and precepts and judgments that God gave us. And they're for, they're for our protection. They're for our good. I want you to understand that God has our best interests at heart. That God's not just sitting up on his throne seeing how that he can punish us and seeing how he can, can you know, just give us our, our due for our wrongdoings. No, God is protecting us and God wants us to live a righteous life. Amen. Would you say amen to that? That God wants you to live right. God wants you to live a, a good life. And so these lawyers, they cornered Jesus one day. And Jesus had been teaching. And they asked him, they said, Master, they said, Rabbi, that we know, we know that, that you're a smart guy. 
But what's the most important thing that God ever said? What's the first commandment? What would you say, Jesus, if you were put on the spot, what would you say that God says we need to do more than anything? And Jesus, as I imagine this, there was probably no hesitation whatsoever that Jesus didn't have to stand there and think, well, is it that we shouldn't steal? Or, or no, maybe we shouldn't kill? Or, or I don't know, that, that thou shalt not commit adultery thing. That's pretty serious business. He probably didn't do that. See, these Pharisees and these scribes and these lawyers, they stood and, and they argued for days on end what God thinks is the most important thing that you should do. Does God say that you shouldn't steal? Absolutely. You shouldn't kill? Absolutely. You shouldn't commit adultery? Yeah, he said all those things and he means it too. Amen? But Jesus, when asked the question, when posed the question without hesitation, he says this. He actually quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse numbers 4 and 5. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Jesus said that is the first and foremost thing. If you can establish that in your life, if you can put those commandments before anything, he said everything else will take care of itself. Do you want to know how not to steal? I don't know if anybody in here has a problem with stealing or killing or, or, or whatever. I don't know what the deal is today. But let me tell you, you want, me to know, you want to know how to avoid that? Just love God. If you love God with everything that you have, you won't want to steal. You will not want to kill. You won't want to do all these things. You won't want to put other gods before him. No, you won't want to do any of this if you love him with all your heart. He says that our God is one Lord, and we understand that. We get that. But what he means by that, when he said that to those Jewish people, this is what that meant to them. See, the Jews especially the, the higher-ups in the religious realm of the day that Jesus was walking on earth, they had these things, and they were called phylacteries. Has anybody ever, ever heard of a phylactery? Anybody know what that is? And, and, and uh, maybe, Tanner, you know what a phylactery is. We saw them in Israel. It's this thing. It's this little leather pouch. And they would take this little leather pouch, and they would put it on their left wrist, and they would tie it up on their left wrist, and this little pouch had two little verses in it. See, I want you to understand that the Jewish people, they didn't have a Bible like we do. They didn't have the privilege of the printing press so that they could just, you know, pick up the Word of God anywhere and take it with them. And so they had to memorize things. And these phylacteries that they had, they wore them on their wrist and they wore them on their forehead. And they would wear them sometimes all day or sometimes they would wear them to pray. And in these phylacteries were two verses, the two most important things that the Jewish people would ever think about, and that was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one Lord. You know what that means? That He is the Lord of your life and that you are to put nothing before Him. That was the first thing that they studied on and the first thing that they thought, they thought about all day long is they would, when they would go to do something, maybe with their left hand in that phylactery, it would interrupt them and it would cause a problem and they would think right there that it would hit them that the verse in there says that God is one God. And then the next thing that was in there is it says that you're to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Everything that is within you is to love God. 
See, I want you to understand that, that one of the, the major main attributes of God is that God is love. Did you know that? Can you say amen to the fact that God is love? Not that God does love. God does love. Don't get me wrong. But God is love. And here's the thing about it. When God created man in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, when God looked at, the, at Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he, you know what he said? He said, let us make man in our own image. So when God created man in his, in his own image, he gave us the ability to love. He predisposed us so that we would love something. And guess what we are supposed to love? God. God made us when God created us. He gave us the ability to love him. To love nothing else but him. But see, then Satan came on the picture and, and sin comes on the scene and, and destroys that. And now, uh, 6,000 years later, how, whatever your opinion is on however long it's been, we stand here and we have to remind people and say, Hey, you should love God more than anything. You should put God ahead of anything in your life. And these Jews, they walked around, and, and, and maybe even some of those scribes and Pharisees that day when Jesus said, hey, he said, you're to love God with everything. They said, hey, I've got it right here on my wrist. I'm doing exactly what God, and they even said, Jesus, you said the right thing right there. They agreed with him. And so that's the first thing that we need to establish this morning. And I don't know how to put it in any plainer of a term than to say this, that you are predisposed to love and you're going to love something. You're, there's going to be something that, that is the, the, the love of your life. And I know y'all are getting mushy right now and looking at your husbands and wives saying, well, they're the love of my life. I get it. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? There's going to be something or somebody that you're going to put ahead of everything else in your life. You're going to follow something. You're going to work towards something. And your whole life is essentially going to be committed to something. And I don't know what that is for everybody. And, and for a lot of people, it's different. It may be that, that you're committed to your job. It may be that you're committed to school. It may be that you're committed to, to uh, you know, golf or a hobby or whatever it is. I don't know. But you love something. Amen? But God said, and then Jesus repeated it in the New Testament. See, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. And he said in the New Testament that we're to love God with everything that we have. And if you do that that everything else can take care of itself, that you won't have the, the desire to sin, that you won't have the, the desire to break the other nine commandments. Jesus said to love him. But then Moses, he didn't stop there. See, these are the words of a dying man. And what does a dying man do? Well, he just tells it like it is. Somebody that's dying and somebody that's giving out their last words, they don't have time to, to mess around. They don't have time to, to add fluff to it and to make it sound good. And so Moses said this, after he said that you're to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, verse 6, we'll read on. He says, in these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That means you're to meditate on these words. You're to think about this. It is to continually be on your mind. 
You know that I'm going to stop right here and just take a little sidebar and, and say that your mind is a very dangerous thing. You're right? Anybody in here, anybody's mind ever just wonder? Mine does sometimes. And, and somebody told me one time, they said, you better not let your mind wonder because it's much too small to be out by itself. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. But, but our minds wonder. And our minds, you know what they'll do? And, and I'm just being real with you, okay? Is sometimes they'll go to places they ought not to go. And we'll think about things that we ought not to think about. Anybody? Can, can you say amen or did I lose you right there? But Jesus said, or God said, that, that you're, to, you're to think about this. You're, you're to continually have your mind on God. You know what? It's hard to think about things you shouldn't think about when you're thinking about God. You think about how holy He is and how much you love Him if you do. And it's hard to think about anything else. You should be consumed with Him. You think, well, I've got other things going on in my life. Well, then, then you have a problem. If you're putting other things before God, if you say that it's more important to think about other things before God, then you have an issue. Now, I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't think about other things. That it's not sinful. But the, let me say that we only spend very little time, it seems like, thinking about God. I mean, how many hours a day do you do it? How many hours a week? How many hours a month? You know, I get Mark, he, he reminded me of something. There's 168 hours in a week. And sometimes we give God one of them. We think about him for one hour, maybe while we're at church. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I come to church and I'm distracted by other things. Anybody ever been in that boat? He said, he said to put your mind upon him to think on these things. And he said, and while you're thinking about it, he says you need to do something else. And, and this, is, this is very important. Those of you that, that do have children and, and may even have children in the future and, and have had children need to pay attention to this. And thou shalt teach them diligently. There's your word, diligence. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. He said it is very, very important. And he says it earlier in verse 2. He says, and I command thee that, that you teach these to thy son and thy son's son. See, the, the thing about faith and our faith in God is it should be a generational thing. See, what we have today, and, and, and I'm just going to preach how society is right now, is that it seems like that, that what I believe is, is getting kind of out of style. Wouldn't you all agree with that? That, that, that coming, coming to church and, 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 and being with people and, and singing songs about God and, and reading the Bible and listening to preaching, that's, that's not real popular anymore, is it? You know how I can tell that? Because there's 30,000 people in the city of Cookville, and there's maybe 120 of you here this morning. It's not a real popular thing. And, and, and it seems like, and, and again, just, just being honest with you, that, that folks, there's not a whole lot of folks my age, 
There's not a whole lot of folks that are Tanner's age in their mid-twenties. And, and Mason here, he's about 19 or so. And so, are, are you 19? And, and it seems like they're getting fewer and fewer and fewer. And I'm not trying to throw off on anybody in here, but there's a lot of gray hair in here. Amen. <laughs> Come on, folks. That's, that's okay. Y'all can laugh about that. There's a lot of bald people, too. But anyway, I won't get off on that. But our churches, and it's not just Cookville Free Will Baptist, it, it, it's basically a lot of churches are just, are, they're just getting gray. And, and they're getting older, and, and folks, I mean, it, it, they're dying. People are dying out. And, and I wonder why that's happening. And I think it's because somewhere along the line there's been a disconnect. Now, I'm not going to heaven off my grandpa going to heaven. Can you say amen to that? I'm not going to heaven because my mom's already in heaven. My dad's on his way to heaven. I'm not riding in on anybody's coattails. You know, you know how I'm getting to heaven? Through the blood of Jesus. I made that decision for myself. But you know what my parents did? They taught me. You know what my grandparents did? When my parents didn't take me to church, my grandparents took me to church. And they were diligent about it. They were diligent to teach me at home. You know, I, 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 what we have, we don't, I would say, this is just this is a guess, that a lot of children never see their parents pick up the Word of God outside of, the, of a church. They don't see their parents pray. They don't hear their parents pray. And so they think, well, if it's, if it's not that important to mom and dad, then why should I be worried about it at all? Moses said to be diligent. This idea of diligence, as I studied it out, it's, it's a really neat idea of diligence. Let me tell you what he means right here when he said this. When he said to be diligent, he said that it's like sharpening a knife. That, that when you get a knife, I, I like knives, you know, I'm, I'm a knife guy. And I know you men, y'all like to get a new knife for, for, for Christmas, right? Anybody like to do that? Andrew, you like knives, I know you do. And you get that knife and it's, it's just as sharp as it can be. But with a little use, what happens? It starts getting dull and you have to re-sharpen it. And you have to be diligent. And, and if you're not diligent and if you don't pay attention to it, before you know it, you're going to go to cut something real important and your knife don't work anymore. And it, it's not doing its intended use. And I think what we have is, is a lot of folks, and, and I'm, just, I'm just preaching this morning from the Bible. I'm going by what the Bible says, is that we have to be diligent. We have to, be, we have to make sure that we do it consistently. I have to make sure that I'm the same outside of the church as I am when I'm in the church. Tanner, as a parent, did you know that you, you shouldn't live different outside the church than you do in here? Did you know that? Tanner's going to teach our parents' class. I hope he knows that. And, and some of you grandparents, how many of your grandparents in here? Yeah, and, and what an honor that is, amen? I mean, you love your grandkids, don't you? And you, know what, you know what grandparents like to do? I found out this, that, that my father-in-law, he, he loves to take my kids. Y'all have met my kids. I mean, they're, they're wired to start with. But he, they'll go to his house, and he'll be like, y'all want a chocolate bar? Oh, here's Shaylee. Here's a Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's, don't do that. If you're a grandparent, stop that, okay? That's ridiculous. Us parents, we don't like it. 
And you love to spoil your grandkids. You really do. I know you do. But let me tell you this. As a grandparent, did you know that you have an opportunity to make an impression on that child? See, the thing about it is, is, is when you start getting my age, and, I, and I'm not that old, or when you start getting even Tanner's age in, in his mid-20s, we kind of get, get set in our ways, and we do things, and, and we're living our life, and you know we think we got it figured out. But the thing about kids are, it, it's a wonderful thing. Now, there's a lot of kids are, kids are weird little things, but their minds are still malleable. See, I can still make an impression upon my children while they're young. We shouldn't wait till you know, they're 15 or 16 years old to start telling them about the plan of salvation. We shouldn't wait till they're about to go to college to say, hey, you need to, to be finding the will of God in your life. No, Moses said we need to be diligent about that. And if God is first in your life as a parent and as a grandparent, it'll just come out naturally. You don't even have to really try that hard. If, if you love God with everything that is within you, then guess what? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If your heart is right with God, then it's just going to naturally come out. And your kids and your grandkids and future generations are going to see what it's like to really be a Christian. I don't know about, about some of you that's got, that have younger children in here, but... I mean, I, I think about what the world's going to be like when my kids are, are my age. Shaylee's five years old. I'm 33. So in, in 28 years, Shaylee's going to be my age. And I think, man, what's the world going to be like? I, if, if Jesus don't come back, I'm going to be honest with you, it's probably going to be awful because it's getting that way right now. Amen? I mean, <laughs> it, I don't know what else. You, you, when you think the world can't get any worse, you turn on the news, and here it is. <laughs> And so I think about the future, and I'm looking ahead, and I think, you know, how are my kids going to get through that? How are my kids going to survive that? And, and if I have grandkids one of these days, how are they going to deal with the things that are going on? Well, I tell you what, they better be rooted and grounded in their faith. And if they don't get rooted, and if they don't get a good start to them right now, then they may not ever get grounded in their faith. Amen? And so Moses said that we should be diligent. That when we're sitting down, when you just sit down, uh, something that, that we, we try to stress at my house, and maybe I, uh, you should try this too, is, is, and Shaylee don't like it at all, is we like to sit down and have meals together. Anybody, it's, that's a hard thing to do these days, right? With one, one parent going one way and one parent going the other, and you got kids going this way. You know, sometimes it's hard to get everybody together and just sit down and have a meal. And, and since my kids are little, I can say sit down and have a meal. And Shayla, she wants to get up and run off, and, and we'll say, no, this is family time. And, and we, we need to sit down. You know, sometimes it's good to just sit down with your kids. Tucker? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but Randall, you need to sit down with this boy and talk to him about the Lord. Amen? Because Tucker sure needs the Lord in his life. Can you all say amen? <laughs> You're all right, Tucker. But, but that headband, I don't know about it. And then he said, when, when, you're out, when you're out just doing whatever in life, he says that, that when you're sitting in your house and when thou walkest by the way, when you're out walking, now we don't do a lot of out walking today, but maybe, maybe you could kind of plug in there and say when you're driving down the road, because that's how we get around today. Back then they walked around. But when you're driving down the road, talk to your kids about the Lord. I mean, if you have little kids, talk to them about the Lord. If you have teenagers, talk to them about the Lord. 
I mean, I've heard this. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that teenagers are sometimes hard to deal with, and they're hard to talk to. My kids aren't there yet, and I'll let you know when we get there if they are or not. But, But I know it's hard sometimes, and some of you that have teenage grandkids, talk to them about the Lord. You ought to say amen right there. You ought to show them that God is important to you. And that he's not just some figment of our imagination throwing lightning bolts down from heaven punishing people. That he is a real God that cares about them and loves them and wants to see them uh, love him and, and come to him and be in his will. We need to, we need to reflect that to, to our children and to our younger generations. Some of you older folks in here that, that may not have kids or may not have grandkids, you can still be that example to them to the younger ones, to the younger generations that, that, that Mason can look up to Sister Vivian and, and whoever. It doesn't even necessarily have to be your kid, but that our faith should not just stop at our generation, but that it should continue down and down and down, and, and it should never stop. He said, when thou sittest, when thou walkest by the way, and even when you lay down at night, he says, and when thou liest down and when you get up in the morning, Thou shalt bind them for a sign on thine hand. You remember the phylacteries I talked about. That's what he's talking about. And shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And I like verse 9. He says, And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, upon the doorpost, and upon thy gates. Why? Again, I, they didn't have Bibles back then. They didn't necessarily have the scrolls and, and things where they could just, just read Scripture as they pleased. And so they would take important sections of Scripture and they would put them on the doorpost so that when they walked out of their house, they could say, hey, we're going into the world and I need some, I need some help from God going into the world. I need to see a piece of the Scripture. I need to see what God said as I go into the world. And that's important. You know, that, that, that what that example is is that we, we teach the next generation what the Word of God says. Because, because they're going to face situations in life. I don't know what my children are going to face. I mean, we've got some young folks around here. I, I see Tucker, I see Daniel, and, and Anthony, he's still fairly young. And, and you guys are going to face things. But let me tell you, you are never going to face anything that is not going to be addressed in the Word of God. And do you know how you, you're going to face, when you face that situation, whatever it may be, The only way that you're going to be able to make it through that situation is to know what God said about it and to understand, but then also to love Him with all your heart and be able to put it to practice. You know, in in Sunday school or or Wednesday night or even in, in the preaching, whenever it may be, I don't, we don't teach and we don't preach just so that you can gain a bunch of head knowledge. That you can say, well, I know this and I know that. The reason should be that we teach so that you will have wisdom to live your life. And that you will be able to live your life in, in, in light of what God says and with a biblical worldview. You know, I don't stand up here and preach every Sunday morning just so you can you can go out and say, well, we, we heard the word of God, that's it. No, you're supposed to, to listen and then apply. Listen and apply. 
Not just to get smarter, not just to know stuff. God gave us these commandments so that we could live by these commandments. And so I ask you this morning as, as an adult or as a, as, a, as a younger adult or as a teenager or whoever it is, the first thing that you need to get straightened out is that God is the forefront of everything in your life. You know, those are good verses for us to memorize too, that He is one God and that there should be and will be no competition in your life from anything else. And then He said to love Him with all your heart. And, and you, you, I don't think you can really teach the next generation. You can't really do anything with the next generation until you've got that nailed down yourself. You can't pass something on that you don't have yourself. Amen? You know, I don't expect my kids to, to grow up and, and be good Christian people unless I live it in front of them. Now, some people, I get it. They, they, they come out of bad situations and they do good. But most of the time, it's a generational thing. And God has entrusted us to teach the next generation that's why I hammer on Sunday school. I think it's important to learn about God so that you can apply it to your life. That's why I like Wednesday night when we come together and we, we get together and we talk about even life situations and how that, that God saw us through it and how that we can apply Scripture in whatever way that it is. I like those things, don't you? And I believe they're biblical. I believe that God gives us a mandate. He tells us to do these things. Let's all stand. Brother Cecil, come. Bow your heads for just a moment. Lord, thank you for your wonderful word. God, thank you that you gave us a heart, Lord, to love something. And God, I just pray that everyone in this church this morning loves you. But God, I don't believe that anybody can love you at all unless they have the blood of Jesus applied to their heart. And God, I just pray that if someone needs saving this morning, God, that you would save them. Lord, that you would teach them to love you. And God, place you at the forefront of their life. God, that we would be consumed by you, not by worldly things. God, not by carnal things. Lord, not by things that will one of these days pass away. But Lord, that we would be focused on eternal things. And God, that we would see the next generation, Lord, that, that they have an eternal soul that's either going to spend life in heaven or death in hell. God, I just pray that you would help us as a church, Lord, to pass, pass our faith on to the next generation. God, raise up new leaders in this church. God, raise up people that love you and, Lord, that, that will serve you wholeheartedly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.